0: Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi. It's me, KP. The real one. Not the fictional one that is the character that you came to know and maybe even love in the episodes of The Shadows. I am here in your ear to tell you about my newest audio project. If you loved The Shadows, if you listened to it over and over again, or if you're listening to it for the first time, the thing that you love and the thing that you've listened to is a six-episode series of my art. And so if you liked it, I imagine that you might like this new art that I made. It's called sisters it's not fiction it's documentary and it follows a different kind of great love story i called shadows an anti-rom-com and this project i'm calling a rom-com that gets real it is the great love story that is my relationship with my sister We have recordings of our whole lives, and we use them to tell the highs and the lows, the fights and the laughter that has been being best friends with your younger sister. The series is going out on a show called The Heart. If you're not subscribed yet, I highly recommend that you subscribe. The series is five episodes long, and here in this feed right now, I have the first one. Chapter 1 episode Here we go
1: Sisters Do you want some champagne? Yep. I think we should. We have to. Okay. I can make you mine. No
0: preamble. You already said that. Taste your lips of wine. She hates me.
1: <laughs> I just want to get her done. <laughs> time, time, night or day, the travel god's pooped. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: said, I'm so happy. I'm so happy.
1: <laughs> we had a fight. Okay. Oh, yeah. This is real. I love you. Yeah. See you tomorrow. So it was a close game. Anyone could have won. Sorry, I was whiny. What text to do? <laughs> This reminds me of my Penny? childhood when Nick I Nick
0: album hair when she
1: made a mistake. <laughs> I don't care you about you. Say I'm never ever gonna win, play with you ever again. No. I don't care about you winning. I care about your little game that you do of wham, It's I'm not losing. a game. It's the I'm way that I feel. Wah, wah. When you see a guy yeah, reach for stars in the sky, you can bet that he's doing it for some love. Shakana, not a poo-poo blizzard bus.
0: Shakana, can you do it the way that you did it the first time? That was so funny and new to me.
1: Can we have Shakana? Frenulum. That's under the the head of the (laughs) dick. No. Shakana. Shakana.
0: Chapter Chapter one. Childhood. Being Being the older sister. sister. The younger sister sister always always gets her
1: way. Who's
0: going to tell first?
1: Oh, my gosh. Can we just tell at the same time? This is working really well. <laughs> Once, Once upon, upon a, a time, time, there was
0: <laughs> there were, a
1: beautiful child that was born.
0: And then there was, wait, which one is beautiful? Hey. <laughs>
1: Who gets to go first? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Why does that question make me so
1: uncomfortable? It's loaded. It makes me uncomfortable. Why does it make you uncomfortable? Because what is fair... And what is just, I will just go second, because I assume you want to go first.
0: In the spirit of equality between older and younger sisters... Rock, paper, scissors? Yeah. We're putting our hands out. (laughs) Rock, Rock, paper, paper, scissors. scissors. A 10-year-old girl wakes up at 5 a.m. every single morning to practice piano for 45 whole minutes before she goes to school. For the first two years of her life, she played in a playpen while her daddy practiced guitar for eight hours a day. Sometimes he would take breaks to crack a beer, roll a joint with his brother Mark. Sometimes he would take breaks to change her diapers, to bring her to the park, push her on the swings. Mr. Mom, he would proudly call himself. It was 1986, and there he was, a baby boomer man with feminist inclinations. Caitlin Mary Prest, you wonderful person you. Caitlin Mary Prest, me. I was daddy's little girl, and then Natalie was born.
1: Yeah, you're smiling, Nelly. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, you're
1: smiling, Nelly. Daddy, (laughs) come on, Alma. I mean, Kate, come
0: on. I don't want to. With the arrival of the second kid, Daddy finally bit the bullet about trying to be a classical guitarist and went to teacher's college. And so, the center of my universe departed and left me alone. With an unfamiliar parent orbiting around an unfamiliar baby.
1: Look at that girl, look at that girl. This
0: is where it began. Natalie. 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 I know you're not supposed to have favorites in families, but everyone always does. Dad was my favorite and I was his. And so just like him, I was disciplined. I worked hard. I worked hard at what was most important in my family, music. Everybody in the family was a musician. My parents met playing guitar duets together. So Natalie played piano too. Natalie never really practiced. Instead, she played. Every year we perform at the Kiwanis Festival. We drive all the way to Ottawa and go to some fancy building where there are a bunch of rooms with grand pianos and judges. You perform your pieces, and the judges rank you. And maybe you get a medal. Gold, silver, or bronze. I get up on stage in front of all of the hopeful parents. In front of my hopeful parents. In front of my hopeful parents daddy. When I sit down, I'm panicking, and then all of those hours of practice kick in. Of the performance, freaking out about it. Finally, it's over. I take a bow. The judges say that my technique is excellent, and I'm awarded bronze. Natalie emerges from her adjudication room with a trophy that is taller than both of us a trophy taller than both of us, and two gold medals. It's her musicality, Daddy says. She's a natural. Kate's, you're just like me, an anxious performer. There's a picture of her in the town newspaper, the Chesterville record. Mom and Dad put it on the refrigerator and I look at it every day at 5 a.m. before I sit down and start my scales. You can imagine, maybe, the insult to injury it was when she started to copy everything that I did. I liked Neon Green. I called it Funky Green. I thought I was special and cool for thinking of a new name for it. And then suddenly, she likes Neon Green. She calls it Funky Green. It's her computer password. I started learning clarinet. She started learning clarinet. I became obsessed with rainbows. She still to this day is obsessed with rainbows. As a little girl trying to eke out an identity, there she was, showing me up at the one thing I was supposed to be the best at. Being myself. And maybe I would take it out on her a little bit. Natalie was crystallized in the family as the innocent one, the one who needed to be protected. We talk about sibling rivalry, but I've always suspected that I'm the one who was in a sibling rivalry. Natalie was just enjoying living her life.
1: What do you say, Natalie? Bye! Yeah. One thing I have to say for the Wait, Natalie was going to say something? What, Natalie? Um, I'm going to be eight in, um, oh. two star, How I wonder what you are up above the world so high like a dime. This is Natalie's room. Oh, and... Yeah. Hammy's cage. She was recently messed up but, uh, See,
0: there's a ladder going came. up to the second. Don't forget there's, the water. that you're in the way. Sorry. I'm 16. She's 14. She wants to borrow my suede boots. These boots are my pride and my joy. They go up to your knees. They have fake sheep's fur popping up around the rims, and their laces have pom-poms at the end. They're stylish in a strange kind of way. In my strange kind of way. I do not, under any circumstances, want her to borrow these boots. But I also don't want to be a bitch-ass cunt. Okay, fine. You can wear them. On one condition. If anybody compliments you on these boots, you better not let them think that you bought them. You tell them that they're your sisters and that she bought them and that they're hers. On one condition. I had said it exactly the way that my dad would say it. On one condition. Anytime that I needed something for my primary caretaker, my dad, he would leverage. Holding something ransom. Seeing somebody in a position of need as an opportunity. <laughs> Iceberg lettuce and shards of glass scatter across the dinner table. My heart is beating so fast that I've forgotten what it was that I said that made him so angry. Clean that up. I look at him, wondering if he's serious. Mom and Natalie are deer in headlights still. What? You broke my bowl. I look over desperately at Mom and Natalie, looking for some backup that this is totally insane. Natalie is staring down at her plate. Mom is staring wild eyed at Dad. No one says anything. Well, I do. What the f? It would happen so quickly, like a match sparking into flame over an invisible cloud of gas. One second, he was a grown man, my dad. And the next second, he was the rage. Since becoming a teenager and realizing that my dad was a deeply flawed man and not God, or as we called him, the master of the universe, Dad and I went from being best friends to being mortal enemies. In those years, the years we euphemistically call World War III between me and Dad, Natalie and I became opposites. I was the bad kid. She was the good kid. The normal kid. The wholesome kid. The American Eagle jeans and root sweater wearing kid. Maybe when she saw how things went between me and Dad, She didn't want to be like me anymore. With each passing day in the family, I came to feel more and more like a one of a kind I didn't want to be. The one of a kind that is alone. When I'd pick up one of Natalie's fancy magazines and she'd yank it back from me saying that I'd crease it or wreck it or ruin it, or when my mom would stare at my dad, but say nothing. It started to feel like it was family versus Caitlin. I'm sure that in those years, there were moments of fun, magic, beauty, and love between my sister and I. The sad thing is that I don't remember them. Decades in the future, a therapist will tell me that trauma creates black-and-white thinking. That in order to protect yourself, you have to see things as all bad. And maybe that's what I did. When I leave our tiny town and the family versus Caitlin dynamic, I believe that I'm leaving my family behind forever. I'm excited. When I think of Natalie... I know that we'll be the kind of sisters who never understand each other. The kind of sisters who show up in a crunch for each other and then unload to our real friends about how frustrating and annoying we find each other.
1: Her life is a disaster. She doesn't have any kind of job security. She hangs out with deadbeats. She's she does a total automaton. Her, her friends are so boring, it's I disgusting. want to
0: scratch my eyes out after five minutes of conversation. With the them. kind of sisters who share a mutual disrespect of one another's life choices it's sad, it's sad the way she lives her life the way she lives her life in our future i imagine her as a suburban ottawa girl with suburban ottawa friends marrying young having kids and buying a cookie cutter house in a neighborhood of identical houses in a development in orleans called something like falling brook it would be a house that was expensive but not expensive enough to conjure the feeling of wealth In our future, I imagine myself arriving at her doorstep at age 40, unannounced, wearing a filthy trench coat and the kind of tattered homemade skirt that looked whimsical in my 20s and now is a signifier of just how outside of society I've chosen to live. I'm between homes again. She opens the door with the baby in her arms and welcomes me to sleep in the guest room for a few days. I ask her to borrow about 500 bucks and she doesn't hesitate. She gives it to me. I play with the kids and she watches, smiling warily with her husband, who would be wearing suit pants, at my tattered charisma. They would smile together at how nonjudgmental the children are. This is the future I imagined for us when I leave home at age 19. I would love her, but I would never like her. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever
1: you get your podcasts. Chapter one. Childhood. Being the little sister. Keep keep breathing. The little sister never gets her way. Am I still doing chapter headings or just... Yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Chapter... (laughs) <laughs> Caitlin's way is the Caitlin best and way. Natalie's childhood. Caitlin and Natalie. Not Natalie and Caitlin. It's Caitlin and Natalie. <laughs> a little girl wakes up every morning at 6 a.m. and muffles the sound of the dial-up modem with a blanket as she logs onto the internet to look at art albums of Sailor Moon. Her sister is upstairs practicing her triads. Eventually, her dad will come down and bother her about practicing, too. She'd get around to it eventually. In the first year of her life... She was known to all who met her as the baby with the strange lump on her eyebrow. When she arrived home from the hospital in her first days on this earth, her sister Caitlin had taken one of her baby gifts, a silver engraved picture frame, and whacked her in the face with it. The little girl. Natalie. Natalie Prest. Me. You're not supposed to have favorites in families, but everyone always does. Caitlin was my favorite. I was always trying to catch up with her. That's Caitlin. Caitlin, don't smash into her. Don't smash into her. Come on, get set, go, Natalie, go do it. Go get her, Natalie. She seemed determined to leave me in the dust. Who won the race? I did. <laughs> oh, here she comes! Zoom in the base. Zoom. <laughs> Natalie, are you being a camera hog? <laughs> <laughs> cheese. Cheese. Um, cheese. Cheese. You point the device and then you say cheese, you know, you you but it was a video camera, so I would just get into this mode where I'm like ready for the camera. I'm smiling and music. Yeah, I mean I loved I loved the spotlight. Green, yellow. Aren't you mixing there, Kate? Um, she was my idol. Kate. She was yes. everything that I wanted to be. Kate, are you making a rainbow thing like that? Yeah. Of course. Like, I just saw whatever she was doing and thought it was incredible, so I was like, I want to do that, you know? Like... So we're in the car. Mom, Dad, Caitlin, and I. The back seat of this Oldsmobile is where we spent so many joyous moments in our childhood. Family road trips, singing the same songs over and over, listening to cassette tapes on our matching Walkmans, reading Goosebumps, and playing license plate car games. Today, the mood's a little different. We spent the day at the Qantas Music Festival. I got three gold medals around my neck, and there's a huge trophy in the trunk. Mom and Dad have been raving about how proud they are of me. I look over at Caitlin, with her bronze medal around her neck. Her arms are crossed, and she's scowling at the countless rows of cornfields passing by. The smell of cow manure fills our nostrils as we watch the massive tractors spewing fertilizer over the fields. Her anger fills the entire car. Ugh! I practice so many more hours than her, but she gets a trophy? It's not fair! Do you think I actually said that? Did I actually say that? I mean, I remember you saying, like, it's not fair, or something about the hours, the amount of hours that you put in, compared to... I said that? (laughs) I think you did. (laughs) Oh. We sit in silence on what feels like an extraordinarily long journey back to our rural home. But that wasn't the end of it. Caitlin was a bigger sister, and she always made sure that I knew it. That meant that she was the star. She was the artist. She was the winner.
0: Can you do it like... Um, repetitively, like she was the star. She.
1: Oh. She star. Okay. That meant that she I was the star. To be the star. She I'm was the, the artist in the family. She had to be the winner I, all the I've time. i
0: for two whole other years. Of course, I should win
1: every race. She was the boss. We're playing My Little Ponies. We have about 150 of them. She is performing as all of the ponies, and I get the role of dog, friend to all the ponies. Like, I run around on my hands and knees and say, Arf. She's putting on a dinner theater party. I get the role of butler. I serve the appetizers and drinks to her and all of her friends. The thing is, even though Butler is not the role I would choose for myself, or pet dog or countless other variations on this Prop exact thing. Stepsister number two, backup dancer. Caitlin was just just vivacious, sparkly. Like so animated, so expressive, so center of attention, like like dominating the room, like whatever room she'd walk into, it would just be people would be magnetized, and 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 I mean, I guess I I I fell in love with watching her be her, you know, like <laughs> she always had some crazy new idea of how to spend our time. Let's write a choose-your-own-adventure book. Let's turn the living room into a theater. Let's choreograph a puppy dance to this Roy Orbison tune. Let's make our own paper dolls. Let's read every book on this bookshelf. Let's climb up on top of those huge rocks and Let's dance. Let's make picket signs for the teacher strike and walk up and down the driveway. Let's wear mom's lingerie and stuff our training Let's do bras. each other's makeup and paint each other's Let's nails. go into the garage and smoke dad's cigars. Let's snoop around in mom and dad's closet and see what oh we can God. find. What are these magazines? I admire her big dreams for what we should do with our time. I kind of like... The She always knew what to do all the time. When Caitlin and Dad would start fighting, I found myself gravitating to the farthest corner of the house. I felt like the dog cowering under the coffee table in the corner when the vacuum cleaner was so overwhelmingly loud took over the entire bottom half of the house. I felt powerless. I love my family so much, but when they fought like this, I felt torn inside. How can I protect my sister, but also be my daddy's little girl? How could I do anything to make it stop? Caitlin was going through a phase where she didn't want to be touched. The only way she would let me touch her was if I offered to give her a massage. I wanted to show her that I was on her side. It was kids versus parents. And for a while, it felt like it was working. We got close. Even though we were teenagers, we were obsessed with 1980s cartoons. Rainbow Bright, My Little Ponies, and our all-time favorite, Gem and the Holograms. When DVD box sets got invented, we bought all three seasons and did our first TV binging of our lives. When I was obsessed with O-Town, and the group of my supposed friends in my grade all bought tickets to go to the concert without me, she was furious. Caitlin got her best friend to buy a ticket, and we went the three of us as a rival posse, even though she didn't even know who O-Town was. When she wanted to get out so badly, when she went away for university, she wasn't only leaving the tyrannical rule of dad and a seemingly unsympathetic mother... She was leaving me. Her sister. She was leaving me behind. My final year in high school. Grade 12. Top of the school. We lived in the country where there was no such thing as public transportation. Before Caitlin left the nest, she used to drive us. To be honest, I didn't really miss dragging her out of bed in the morning. And then desperately clutching the seat as she sped so fast down the dirt roads that she turned an hour-long commute into a 40-minute panicked NASCAR race. I drove myself to school. At my own pace. and even got to use the bright green Firefly to drive my friends to Wendy's during lunch hour. I'm in my last year at Performing Arts High School. Vocal music major. One day in November the most revered teacher in the program, takes me aside. He wants me to sing a solo with the National Arts Center Orchestra. The NAC. The most prestigious venue in the country. He's picking me? When I arrive at the backstage of the concert hall, there's a framed plaque on the door that says, Natalie Prest. As I walk into the dressing room, there's a massive mirror lined with rows of lights framing my reflection, staring back at me. I feel like a star.
0: She has a lovely voice and she's going to sing the Christmas song. Will you please welcome Natalie Preston?
1: I'm on stage, looking out into the crowd. There's over a thousand people here. I know that my family, my biggest fans, are out there turn me on. Except my sister. This is the most important moment in my life. And I don't even think she knows it's happening. been three months since she left for university and we haven't even talked on the phone. I wonder what she's doing. What's happening in her crazy Montreal life. I believe that Caitlin and I will be the kind of sisters that used to share a special connection. A connection that I value so dearly, I keep a locket that I wear daily to remind myself of what it was like to live by her side every day, laughing and scheming all the ways we could have fun together, while the matching locket that I gave Caitlin rusts in the bottom of an old trunk covered in mysterious decaying food. She will live in the most beautiful house, the kind of house where each tile in the floor is hand-selected It's her retreat from the existence of normal life, and it's a haven for artistic dreaming, dancing, frivolity, and enchantment. At age 40, I will show up on her doorstep, requesting just a moment of quality time with my magical sought-after sister, but she will be too busy working on her art to find the time. She'll have to get her assistant to schedule something with me, and when the day arrives, she will call me an hour after we were supposed to meet, To regretfully inform me, she will not be able to make the appointment. Because she met a gorgeous, eyeliner-wearing, modern-day pirate while reading tarot cards in the subway. And he's invited her to join him on an adventurous tour of the islands on his boat. KP, you can understand, right, Natalie? Of course I understand, Caitlin. (laughs) This is the life I envisioned for us when she left home. A sister who was my world, leaving me behind as a childhood memory she'd prefer to forget, on her travels to greatness, beyond these meager country beginnings. How, how did it
0: happen? Like, did you call me and say, you know, were you like, hey, I wanna come visit? Or did I tell you, like, or did I invite you to come?
1: Yeah, I just remember I was in your residence. residence. Yeah. But, but I, I don't, don't remember.
0: remember. Yeah. I mean, it would be better for the story if I, <laughs> if I called you. <laughs> Should we pretend? Yeah, we could do that. Um, okay, so just for the listeners, um, this is a reenactment of what of something that could have happened, but we're not sure if it did. The phone would ring and dad would, he would do his thing, his, the way he does it. Not late,
1: not late, not late. Punch through. Okay, Dad, I got it down here. Okay, Dad, I got it. Hello, Natalie, Caitlin, it's me. Oh my God, I haven't heard from you in so long. What's up? What's going on?
0: I have a fucking crazy idea. What's up? (gasps) To to
1: Montreal? <gasps> when I got to Montreal, she showed me how to smoke a bong for the first time. We got so high we were laughing at everything together. <laughs> Singing with her friends, playing guitar. And then her rubbing my back to make me feel safe when I felt overwhelmed and paranoid being in this strange place with all these new forms of stimulus. Showing me the strip where I first walked by Cinema d'Amour and almost went into a strip club, but instead, Caitlin took me out and we danced the night away in a dark techno club. It was incredible. We were hungover from the night before, just walking down Saint Laurent, and we decided to take a break. We sat down side by side on this wide stoop. Our bare knees were parallel as we watched the passers-by and took a breath. She looked like a goddess. Her hair was always so curly, and it was hard not to admire how luscious and large it was. She had a way of making messy look magic. She always had some kind of stain painted on her lap, from not being scared to get soiled by life, and having more important things to do than laundry. She rocked whatever piece of fabric she found on the side of the street, or paid for in a thrift shop if she was feeling extravagant. Like the worn tarot cards that she read, She looked enchanted and worn down by the magic of being loved. I was still in my long blonde hair phase. Blow-dried and straightened because I couldn't handle the unpredictable nature of letting the soft waves in my hair dry on their own. She just looks at me and says, I know we always do what I want to do. And I know that in the past... That's just been our relationship. I don't want to fall into those old patterns. What you want to do is important to me. So what do you want to do right now, Natalie? Uh, I don't know. Um, uh, and I felt overwhelmed. What do you, what do you want to do? What, what do I want to do?
0: That's not what this is about, Natalie.
1: <laughs> I don't pose that question to myself. I'm not used to that. <laughs> what right. do you feel like doing today? Um, we can do anything. And I felt um, so cared for in that moment. We
0: could, okay, we could go out for breakfast. We could go shopping. Yeah, let's do that. Let's go for breakfast. Okay. Do you have a certain kind of... I mean, I know this like really, really cool spot. Do you want to go to this really... It's called Bagels, etc. It's right across from Leonard Cohen's house. Yeah. It's like very 1920s. Like, oh my gosh. Really cool chandeliers and stuff. It's so cool. That sounds perfect. Okay, let's, let's do, do that.
1: that.
0: You just heard episode one of Sisters. Chapter One Episode. If you want to know what happens next, subscribe to the Heart and listen to the whole series. Sisters is another Mermaid Palace project. And it was created by Caitlin Prest and Natalie Prest. You heard guitar in the episode by Greg Prest. You heard piano played by Caitlin and Natalie Prest. Our editor is the incredible artist Deborah Sherinde. Our researching producer is Ali Pinel. Sisters' design is by Jen Eng, and Sisters is a production of Mermaid Palace, CBC Podcasts, and Radiotopia. Subscribe. You're gonna love it. I promise.
1: Okay, bye.